1: But obedience is more of an outward expression of, God gave me a task, a job, a duty, a mantle, a purpose to fulfill.
2: It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. Welcome to the Men in the Arena podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood,
0: with my co-host and producer Dale Colver. How you doing, man? I'm doing awesome. Hey man, I'm really excited about today because we've got a guest on. He's the president of an organization that really I credit to the day I became a man and I was 30 <laughs> years old at the time. And so really excited to see the re- the revival of this organization and what he's doing to lead this
3: organization.
0: And uh, before we get into our interview with him, I want to ask you, do you got a man word for me today?
3: Yeah, I got a man word, but first I'd like to say, hey, guys, uh, we'd love for you to go to the iTunes app and leave a review yeah. for us. That'd be awesome. And uh, when we read those reviews and you and you hear your name said and your review being read out loud on this podcast, we want to send you some swag. So hit me up at info at and I will get you out some swag. But uh, we just we love those reviews and uh, that helps Helps us get out there, so get her done. Except
0: for the guy who sent me an email apologizing. He went to give us a five star rating. Yeah. And he thought he had hit the one star, one star, one star, one star, one star to five. And he gave us five one star ratings. <laughs> <laughs> so he has to send us some swag.
3: Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. So with the ratings are great, but the reviews are really what we want to hear. And and two, we would love if you have a victory story that uh maybe God has done something in your life through the podcast. For sure put it on there we'd love to have that so thanks guys my man word
0: promise is a promise
3: actually you know I, I i contemplated that last night late at night and i was like i can't use promise because it will be vanilla that'd be so vanilla, vanilla generic okay so this one is vow oh yes yeah, so I just use a synonym yeah whatever I did. okay so, go ahead why well i looked it up the vow is actually a solemn promise and if you're a promise keeper like this is a serious deal mm-hmm. and um so that's why I chose that um, this guy is with from our organiz- or this organization the Promise Keepers and so many times for men they forget the promises they make. You remember those vows you made when you got married and and so many times it's, as time goes on you forget that promise you made to your bride, mm. the things you said in mm-hmm. front of all those people. And it's like you know we talk about you don't fall out of love. You rise into love. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And so the promises you make to your wife, the promises you make to your, your kids, you got to follow through. And If you're a man, you're going to keep your promises, and they're a serious deal. Yeah, I think
0: when I, when I have couples read their vows, I call them covenantal vows, because you're, you're entering a covenant that cannot be broken. It's way different than a contract. A contract exactly. protects me from you. A covenant is all in no holds barred it's where the rubber meets the road so appreciate that hey I want to bring on our guest today Vance day Vance is 59 years old he lives in Powell Butte Oregon with his beautiful wife of over 33 years he served in um, he served the state of Oregon for nearly four years as the chairman of the Oregon Republican Party before being appointed to serve as a circuit court judge in the third judicial district and was later elected to a full-time six-term judge our full sixth term in November of 2012. Vance strongly believes in helping raise a generation of leaders equipped to address an ever-changing world. Today, Vance sits as the president of Promise Keepers, and I'm really excited to bring him on. Vance, welcome to the show, man.
1: Great to be with you guys.
0: Man, we're, we're really excited to have you on the show. And, hey, I left out a, a segment of your bio, and I thought it was a very pertinent segment, and I thought it was worthy of you sharing it. Can you walk us through uh, 2012-ish to 2020 and what went on in your life during that season?
1: Sure. I I think when Governor Kitzhaber, who's a Democrat, appointed to one of the most important positions in the state, uh, me, who was a Republican, I think it was a shock to the system. Uh I mean, A real shock to the system and you know, I'm a conservative and I'm pretty vocal about my views and a man of faith and And I happen to be an older white guy. So I didn't fit any of the profiles (laughs) which you know The governors for the last 30 years have used to find judges uh, In my opinion and some of my former colleagues may be kind of torqued at my next statement. But unfortunately Experience and and being a person of character sometimes is not what our governor has decided to use in order mm. to find judges. And so <clears throat> it is not the job of a circuit court judge to marry people. Uh, I have other jobs. I mean, we did everything from death penalty to divorce to constitutional law to contracts, car wrecks. But marrying people is not one of my duties as a judge. Yeah. I chose to do that. I really enjoyed it. But when the uh, Oregon Constitution was challenged in the federal district court, it was about a year before the Supreme Court made the decision to allow gay marriage, I knew that that judge was going to rule that the Oregon Constitution violated the U.S. Constitution because he wanted to marry his partner. (laughs) And I knew him personally, and so I just made a decision when he makes his decision, I'm going to recuse myself from further marriages because I don't want to embarrass people or make them feel bad if they show up and, and they ask me to marry two ladies or two men. Cause I would not do it based upon my religious convictions and my mm-hmm. firmly held um, beliefs under the first amendment. Well that I did it quietly because I knew what would happen. Oh yeah. And when it got known, it happened and they came after me with tongs and hammers and, you know, quietly they said, Look, you can you can resign before it becomes public, nobody'll know, blah, blah, blah. And I I, I I I can't remember the exact words I said, but I think it was go forth and self propagate <laughs> because because I am not backing down. You if you want my liberty of conscience, then you're gonna have to take it from
0: me. Yeah, yeah. And
1: Frankly, I thought I'd scare him because I'm a litigator, you know, and which is the first cousin to an alligator, and <laughs> you know, it didn't work. Um, they just decided that they were going to make an example of me hmm. um, as the judge, the bad boy judge who won't marry gay people, homophobic. If we torture him in public and tar and feather him and just you know disqualify him from being a judge, then it will send a message to all the other judges in the United States, and so. We went through a four-year legal battle that cost us um, just over a million dollars. Wow! Um, in legal fees, um, they didn't get rid of me. The Oregon Supreme Court uh, suspended me, but I took it to the United States Supreme Court, and I mean, it was a big, big fight. Uh, when that didn't work, then they indicted me for two felonies that never occurred, and um, which was a political indictment prosecution. Uh, It Took another two years for us to force it to trial because we knew they would lose and certainly when we went to trial They didn't have the evidence. They had to dismiss the entire case But that's how the liberal elites in the government circles use their power to get their way It's all about power and control for them. It is not not about a constitutional understanding of a person's rights They really don't care about a person's rights
0: So how did you – and when did this come to conclusion? Was it
1: 2018? Yes. Um, 2018, uh, late October, is when we pushed it to trial. It was in Marion County, Salem, but the Statesman Journal put out the day before trial, you know, my picture on the front page of the Sunday paper, you know, is he guilty? And, of course, how do you get a fair trial when the Statesman Journal does that? Oh, yeah. So we asked for a a neutral place to have a trial. Um, The judge indicated it would probably be in Chutes or maybe Jackson County, but lo and behold, she sent it to Multnomah County, where, where, (laughs) yeah, where 72% of the people voted for Hillary and 18% voted for Trump. And of course, who am I?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, but even with that, even with that, you know, God shows up. He always does. He is never late. In my opinion, he he misses a lot of opportunities to show up early, but he's never late.
0: <laughs> he is the god of the 11th hour for sure. Yeah, 11:59. Sure. You know it. You 59. know it. Well, so how do you navigate as a leader of your household with your wife, with your your kids? How do you navigate through um bitterness and resentment? How do you get to the other side of that without being bitter or resentful because They came after you and attacked your character and your integrity, and you won. But how do you come out of that on the other side with being free and not carrying bitterness or resentment?
1: I think it starts with two presuppositions to a biblical worldview. One, that what God allows in his wisdom, he could easily stop with his sovereign power. Mm -hmm. So if we truly believe that God is in control, then we never, ever ask the victim question, which Uh, is why.
0: Yes, yes.
1: Because why is, why is this happening to me? It's a victim oriented question and God doesn't answer a negative like that. Number two, I think if we understand that the way our father helps us to grow and become men of God is that he brings us through very difficult times. That's what James one verse two says. Mm -hmm. So if you start from a place of joy consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials for the testing of your faith, we understand that that's the equation for being joyous. If we start with joy and we move through the trials that we're currently in, I mean, guys that are, you know, they're listening to this podcast right now. Many of them are struggling and they Mm -hmm. have pain and they've made dumbass decisions that have brought about pain in other people's lives. But if they look at the trial that they're in, the difficulty that they're in, and they submit it to the Lord and do so in joy, thanking him for the opportunity to stand for him, it changes everything. And that's what we did. My family and I, you know, it was hard at the beginning because it was like, what the heck? Yeah. When I woke up, you know, in September of 2015 and I saw my name scrolling, you know, under Fox News. Mm Mm-hmm. I knew, okay, this has started, and but we just immediately shifted, and and kept on thanking God that He was in the midst of this, and I got to tell you, and it sounds strange to people, but I wouldn't give up those four years. Uh. It, all you look in Scripture, every great warrior was desert trained. Every great warrior, he was pulled out of that normal circumstance, that culture, those relationships, and drawn into God out in the desert where God trained him, brought metal into the bones of his fiber, and then sent him back out, a new man. And I am a different guy. Much better, my wife says. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you, 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 quoted, you quoted James 1, 2, and you, you ended with the testing of your faith. And what you left off, I thought, was very important because the next part of that verse says produces endurance.
1: Amen.
0: And I think the Amen. problem with our world, you said you, you know, not to become a victim. We live in a victim society that lacks grit, that lacks endurance. And so I really appreciate the fact that you, 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 you bring that about. Because if you want to be a man of grit and endurance, you have to go through the fire, you have to go through the desert. And so you went through the desert, and I'm assuming. Based on your bio, that on the other side of that somewhere led this presidential uh appointment to promise keepers. Can you walk us through how that happened?
1: Well, the beauty of how God works is, is that we never know as men what's on the other side of obedience. Yeah. We can't see it. You know, and if and if he would have come to me gently and said, Well, it's gonna cost you a million dollars, you're gonna have to sell your home your assets, you're going to live in a fifth wheel for two years and your name is going to look like, you know, bovine material that's scattered over <laughs> Eastern Oregon, um, you know, I probably would have self or de-self-selected. Yeah, for sure. You know, but he, in his relentless kindness, he doesn't do that. And in the midst of this, you know, and let me let me back up. The principle is that men make men. Yes, yes. And we need men around us who will love on us. We need Pauls in our lives. We need a Barnabas who's a good friend. We need Timothys who we pour our lives into. And I had all those men in my life and have for years. And God called upon them to just, you know, hold up my arms in the battle. Wow. wow. And and to stand next to me. I mean, literally 24,000 people who I don't know across these United States chipped in Five, ten, fifty dollars into this legal defense fund that my friends set up. Wow, we never could have sustained the the pounding that we did uh, without the finances to fight back. So one of my brothers, Ken Harrison, a former LA cop, mm-hmm. Watts Compton, amazing man, retired at forty five after leading Colliers International, twenty three you know thousand employees below him. He called me up. And he said, Vance, just join my Bible study. Let's start a prayer group together. Let us let me stand with you during this thing. So for three years, we prayed every Monday morning at 5.30 a.m. for an hour and a half together, group of guys. And out of that, when Ken was asked to be on the board of Promise Keepers, and he made the decision to shut down Promise Keepers because it was a done deal. He yeah. just felt... Out of that, though, God birthed it again and gave Ken a great vision. And he needed somebody who was really good at execution. And because I was a judge and I executed a lot of people, he felt that just joking just Oregon, joking, baby. Yeah, yeah. Every time, you know, when I did send somebody to, you know, death, I knew it never happened. I mean, and, and that's a whole different story. Yeah. Point is, he, he needed a lawyer who could help recraft some of the foundational elements of promise keepers and get it on a better footing. So he hired me as a consultant that led to me being COO in December of 2018. And then last June, the board of directors asked me to be president. And so it's a great honor and it's a heck of a lot of work. Um, But it is such a joy to see coming into reality. 80,000 men. 80,000 men gathering at AT&T Stadium in Dallas, Texas and singing and worshiping and repenting and hugging each other and living, you know, determined lives with yeah. Jesus Christ.
0: That's really powerful. And I got to tell you in 1995 I was a 30-year-old man. I was in, our church went down to Promise Keepers in the LA Coliseum. And I remember sitting there, and of all the speakers there, the one I didn't connect with the most kept screaming the same phrase over and over You got out, love. You got out, serve your wife. And I was like, man, he was wearing a full robe. Like he wasn't even wearing pants, he was wearing a robe, like a priestly robe. He just kept screaming that phrase over and over again. I'd been married three years. My marriage was a mess. I hated my wife. We did not get along. And I remember sitting in that Coliseum. I think I was the only guy there that day. And uh, God spoke to me, and He said this, "You need to outlove and outserve your wife." <laughs> so I went home, and in front of my church, I stood up and I with disdain in my voice, I said, "I'm gonna outlove and out serve her." And, uh, you know, I started making her coffee every day of the week. Every morning I'd make her coffee. I started out loving her, out serving her. And it literally changed my marriage. and I accredit the day I became a man to that day in promise keepers in the in mm-hmm. LA Coliseum. So I really do love promise keepers. I have a deep and rich history with promise keepers. And so I really am excited about this uh, resurgence of promise keepers. And there is really a new vision behind it, but there is something that is uh, a tradition. You've kept it, and it's the seven promises of a promise keeper. And I just want to go through these real quick. We call this our rapid fire round. And what I'm going to do is I'll just throw the word out and just tell me briefly why it's there and what it means. All right? So here we go. The first one is honor.
1: That means obedience to God's word, um, power, working in the power of the Holy Spirit and honoring God and how he made us to be men.
0: Good, good. Appreciate that. Next one, which you've already spoke to, brotherhood.
1: That means pursuing vital relationships with men, being extremely vulnerable and trusting to a few men who you'll live life with. The guys who get your back and you get theirs.
0: You're two in the clock in the morning, friend. Third one, and I love this one, virtue.
1: That means practicing uh, spiritual, moral, ethical, and sexual purity. Living within the jurisdictional bounds that God created us to live in, and therefore living in liberty because we are virtuous.
0: I love that. Freedom, liberty, and and... The practice of it. There's a practice of it. You don't just Mm -hmm. think it into existence or talk it into existence. So I love that. Number four, commitment.
1: That means building strong marriages and family through um, love, protection, uh, relationships. Um, Clearly, when you're, you know, it's not about emotion, it's about commitment. You are committed to your wife, you are committed to your brothers and your children, your community, to your nation primarily to your god.
0: It's really where that phrase that word promise comes in. You've made a promise. That's a commitment. That's right. You're not a quitter, yep. you're not a an oscillator. You're going to stay stay to this thing. So I love it. The next one is an interesting one to me, change making.
1: Well, that means um to me being really the hands and feet of Jesus. I mean, we lo- I love Bible study, but Bible doing must be the same. I mean we must equal Bible study with Bible Bible doing. And so we become a change maker in our family, our church, our community and our culture by living out what it means to be a man.
0: You know that word threw me off because in all of the years I've lived and <clears throat> all of the books I've written and all the materials I've written, I've never used that word. I always will use like serve others give your life away. So now I have one word to use to describe multiple words. So I really appreciate it. I was looking for the hyphen. I'm like, come on, that can't be one word. Really? But uh, no, I really appreciate that word. So that was a good, that was new learning for me, man. Number six, unity.
1: That means reaching beyond racial or cultural, um, traditional boundaries and demonstrating the power of biblical unity. That you know it, it's not about what we see on the outside it's about the heart of people and really the imago deo the image of God mm-hmm. that is in each of us
0: now I really appreciate that I I'm you know playing college football and sports all my life and coaching I never you know it's all about winning to me right so I can never understand distinguishing between color and or demographic. It just never made sense to me. And and I am in the West, so it is a little different out here. But I just, you know, we need to be unified. And I never understood in the church how I can say I'm a in the body of Christ and I never will interact with this guy over here. It just never made sense to me that a kingdom oriented movement should involve all in God's kingdom and not mm-hmm. a certain theology or a certain race or a certain demographic. And so I really appreciate that. Number seven is obedience.
1: Hmm. That means understanding the great commission and the great commandment. The great commandment Hmm. goes to love your God with all your heart and soul and love your neighbor as yourself. And of course, the great commission is to make disciples of other people. And so we're obedient to that as men. Our primary focus is to be the priest and the prophet and the servant king to our family. And we're obedient to how God created us to do that. And when we're obedient, we, we receive that joy of fulfillment unlike any, any other.
0: How would you say being a man of virtue, which is promise three, and obedience are different?
1: Well, I think it, it comes down to the understanding that virtue is a jurisdictional concept. Now, what I mean by that is is that um, as a man, God created me to have a relationship with a woman. And that relationship with a woman would include sexual intimacy. That sexual intimacy is protected by a covenant relationship. So I don't have authority to have sexual relations with a woman outside of that boundary, that jurisdiction. And therefore, my virtue comes from from recognizing that God gave me a great gift with my wife, but only to be enjoyed in that protected covenant relationship. Oh, man. But obedience is more of an outward expression of God gave me a task, a job, a duty, a mantle, a, 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 a purpose to fulfill. And so virtue is a little different. It, it has an element of obedience, but obedience is also looking out into what God has given us as territory to conquer. I mean, he's the greatest territorial spirit in the universe, Yeah, and he chooses to use us to take back that which is rightfully ours as sons of the living God. And so when we're obedient to what he's calling us to be as men, you know, second or yeah. First Corinthians 16, you know, stand strong, be men, act like men. There's a 13 and 14 and always do things in love. So obedience to that is, is something that, that is even, it goes into the future and affects a legacy like none other. When we're obedient, we, we honor our upline, and we encourage and inspire our downline.
0: Well, and I appreciate that verse because, uh, and I'm going to hack this to pieces, but the Greek word for man in that is andresani, something like this. And it's the only time it's mentioned in the Bible, and it is mentioned specifically for men. It is gender-specific. Mm. Be a man, uh, and uh, King James version translates that "quit like a man," which I love. How does a man quit? He doesn't quit. Be a man. Act like a man. Depending on the translation, it's one word, and it's only for men. So it's not a word that women can claim and change it to people or humanity. It is for men, and I, I just love that about. So I appreciate you quoting that ver- that word and uh, that verse. So I really appreciate that. So hey, let's jump into promise keepers, and just to let you know, Vance, our target. For this podcast, we have guys all 90 different nations downloaded this podcast last year. And our target is what we call our man in the arena. He's in the stress bubble. So he's 28 to 55. Kids are still in the home. So he's he's in the middle of the bubble, right? Driving to work. A lot of these guys on the the younger end of the bubble uh, were not around with promise keepers like I was. And so, can you give us a refresher and let them know, hey, here's what promise keepers is. Here's our history. Here's what was going on in the 90s, because some of these guys legitimately, they were little children then. They Their parents went to Promise Keepers. So can you walk us through it?
1: Sure. Most people have heard about Billy Graham and his, his son, Franklin Graham. Franklin Graham told one of my colleagues um, a few months back that his dad said the following, I believe Promise Keepers touched more men than I ever did in my entire ministry. Wow. Wow. And- wow. Yeah that that was a wild statement for me too. That's powerful. And then you you look at the numbers in the 1990s it, through about 2000 promise keepers touched over 7 million men. 7 million. And we don't know how many more millions those 7 million men touched. For sure. Coach coach, you know, Bill McCartney who is coach of Colorado University of Colorado He and Dave Wardell were driving back from a Fellowship of Christian Athletes meeting in Pueblo, Colorado. They were driving right through Colorado Springs, north of that. And they began to talk about what they would envision. How how would we affect the lives of men? And they both had the same similar vision. One coach wanted to see stadiums full full of men worshiping God. Dave wanted to see men being discipled. And so what they did is they started this organization that the lord kind of led and called promise keepers and they first couple of years they filled the stadium up in boulder and by 1994 they did i think it was 5 different events in 95 i think they did 15 by 97 they did 22 wow stadium events nfl stadium events so you're talking 50 to 70 80,000 men in each stadium 22 yeah. of them i don't know how they did that i don't either you know and then at the end of that year they did stand in the gap which was a free event and somewhere between and this is the estimates of the national parks bureau somewhere between 1.2 and 1.4 million men showed up in the washington dc mall Mm. and when they left that mall, it was cleaner than when they got there Mm. because it was just amazing so you think about that it was the People have said, church historians, that Promise Keepers was the great, greatest movement in history amongst the church for men. Wow. So, like most organizations, I mean, people, organizations are similar. We go through different seasons: spring, summer, winter, fall, and God takes us in the the winter season sometimes into where he prunes us and he causes things to die and then he rebirths them. And that's what happened to promise keepers over the, about 2008, 2010 to about 2017, God took it through a winter season and eventually put it, you know, into a couple storage rooms and there were no employees. And then a group, then one man was called to bring it out of storage and to rebirth it. And, um, and, man, I got to tell you, um, the vision that, that Ken Harrison received, and, and he jokes because when God began to speak to him, I think the first thing Ken said was, um, I'm a Baptist. You don't speak to Baptists. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, Baptists make joke about themselves. I love it. Well, so do you, do you have any personal experience with the Promise Keepers? Were you involved in any of those stadium events back then?
1: I was. Um, I, I've been a believer since I was 14 and a half. The first believer in my family had a very close relationship with my dad. He was a, a, a very successful doctor and a very great athlete. I called him one night in the spring of 1995. I said, Dad, I got, I got two tickets, Oakland Raiders Stadium. I got, bought your flight and I got the hotel. Are you in? <laughs> and he, he didn't think twice because he was a big football player. Oh, yeah, 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 I'm in.
3: Oh, yeah. Well, he never
1: asked what it was. <laughs> Poor guy. He showed up, and uh, you know, we walk into the stadium. He goes, "What the hell? Why are there chairs on the on the field?" And I said, "Who's going to well, play there? What's that beach ball yeah, doing yeah. floating around?" <laughs> and I looked at him. I said, "Well, Dad." this is a promise keepers conference. What, what are you talking about? You know? And he couldn't, he didn't, he had nothing to come back with. He just, (laughs) he was just mad. (laughs) He's been uh, Jesus trapped. (laughs) Yeah. But you know, Edwin Lewis Cole uh, Saturday morning spoke amazing message and the, and the, it was about intimacy. An intimacy with God and Jesus and each other but he made a statement that prayer produces intimacy and he linked it to the blessing of, of intimate relationships with your wife in the context of marriage and my dad oh my gosh he went out of that stadium I'm praying with your mom
3: really yeah and said
1: i said dad hold on hold on it's not just about sex. I mean, <laughs> yeah. No, no, I heard him. I heard. Him. <laughs> and I talked to my stepmom just the other day. My dad's been gone for 5 years, and he finally came. He bent his knee before Jesus 3 weeks before he died.
0: Wow.
1: Long, long struggle with him, but you know, um, but she remembers that. He came back. And and she said, "Man, he prayed a lot." <laughs>
0: Oh, baby, that's a great way to initiate prayer. Hey, we're going to take a short break, Vance, and come back. We're going to hear from our sponsor, and we'll be right back at you.
2: The Men in the Arena is a nonprofit organization with the mission to inspire men towards becoming their best version and changing their world. Every man in the arena matters. Our Men in the Arena closed Facebook forum for men is a great way to dialogue about manhood with men from around the world. There we have lively discussions on every topic of manhood imaginable. Join that group today because of the passion to see men get out of the bleachers and into the arena, Jim wants to offer some powerful resources to all men who visit our website at meninthearena.org. Give us your email and we'll send you a free PDF version of the field guide. It's Jim's 365-day bathroom book for men. It's the study of manly words in the Bible illustrated with great stories. This is also a great resource for all our arena men. We'll also add you to our weekly equipping blast including Jim's personal blog, prayer requests, and weekly boots on the ground mission. Men, the stakes are high. The pressure is on. Do you hear the roars of those you love and those anonymous voices in the bleachers pleading for you to enter the fight? Because when you get it, everyone wins. Now, back to our episode.
0: So, so Vance, uh, from your website, there is a, a new season with Promise Keepers. Uh, there is a new vision behind it. We, One of our representatives was at the uh, NCMM conference, and I think he spoke with Ken. I think he was there, and was really, really excited. And from your website, let me read this. Quote, Promise Keepers will go back to its roots established in the early 1990s. We will have one major event per year. It will be in late July and in an NFL stadium. We'll become completely involved in the host city, its local churches, and local ministries at least one year prior to the event, Promise keepers will be givers to the city, being Christ's hands and feet and actively spreading the gospel. Each event will have a specific theme and that theme will be have a Bible study that goes along with it. All promise keepers, staff and speakers must volunteer to serve in their local in the local ministries prior to the event. So how is that vision different? How is that vision new and fresh compared to the old one? And it is substantially different.
1: Well, the the sameness would be that we're, we're moving back to just the concept of men make men yes, and that men have a different calling than women do. And it's, it, it, it's not a competitive calling whatsoever. It, it's a linkage calling. It's, you know, women are co-heirs, of course, with men, but God created men differently yep. for different purposes. And so it's, it's focusing on how men should be men. That's, that's the part of bringing it back to its vision. What is different, though, is that promise keepers, and I'll, I'll say this really bluntly, if this event becomes about promise keepers, then it will be an epic failure, It cannot be about promise keepers. Promise keepers is a vehicle to be used of God to be a ignition point for a movement that God wants to do in the hearts of men. And so this movement should result in revival. And this revival should result, I believe, in the third great awakening in these United States. And so promise keepers is designed to be that catalytic spark which brings men together. So when men go, wow, look at the power of a man to serve and to love and to lead. And then the follow-up happens with the thousands and thousands of men's ministries and other ministries that, that, that focus on discipleship. And that's not our job. The job of the church is to disciple. And our job as, as men who believe in ministry to men is to come alongside our pastors and to be force multipliers for them. And we do that through, loving on them, supporting them, being vulnerable with them and each other, and then getting involved in acts of service. Because when we serve, like you spoke about, when you outloved, out-served your wife, it changed the atmosphere for everything. For sure. So when we talk about service, that's the Bible doing, that's the change-making aspect. And we're already headlong into working within the DFW area. We've got mobilizers there and connecting with churches. And I mean, right now, we're just under 30,000 tickets committed to, you know, that includes church blocks, that includes the tickets sold, that includes all the scholarships that are being asked for. We will have 80,000 men there in that stadium. And then we will cybercast it to anywhere from two to 4,000 different locations throughout the world. We've already got 300 uh, locations in the pipeline being uploaded into that. We believe that we can touch the lives of over a million men over that weekend this summer, July 31st and August 1st. So if that happens, then it, it will ignite a movement amongst men who, underst- who will understand that they are true men. They will find their worth in an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And that leads to a more intimate relationship with their wives, their family, their church, their, you know, community and their culture. They will become change makers. So there's the vision. Well, I appreciate that.
0: And you know what, this is not 1995. You can live stream this thing. You can do all these things to put it out to the world. So that's really impressive. What percentage of men who have registered. So 30,000 men have registered so far. What percentage of those guys are within the local region? You know, let's say five to five hours or closer. Is that a massive percentage?
1: Yeah, it, it it's between right around 65%. Um, we've got 47 States represented and numerous other nations. Um, you know, some people from Zimbabwe, you know, Korea, all, you know, different nations are coming, but the the vast majority of those guys going to be in the stadium will be within that five hour drive radius, the three hundred mile radius around DFW. But we've got large churches that have signed up for blocks of a thousand or five thousand tickets. Jeez. Get this, wow. and this this is new: the United States Air Force has decided to receive the simulcast in every single Air Force Base throughout the world. Hmm. The United States Marine Corps is taking the simulcast and sending it out to every embassy. The United States Army were in negotiations with them, but there's large, you know, groups of men coming from Fort Hood or even from Fort Bragg. Wow, you know, guys in buses, and and we're. We've got a big lift. We've got to raise a lot of money, but we want to see, you know, 10 to 20,000 active duty military men in that stadium and we want to house them. You know, we believe that everybody should pay something for their ticket because men don't value what they don't pay for. True. So these young privates, they'll pay, you know, 35, 40, 50 bucks, but we need other men to chip into the scholarship fund so we can bring these soldiers there. So if you have a desire to just sponsor one soldier, go to promisekeepers.org and find that place where it talks about, you know, buying a scholarship ticket. Buy one for yourself, buy one for your buddy, but scholarship a soldier as well.
0: No, I really appreciate that. <clears throat> That's really impressive. Well, now, because you guys are strategically targeting the local churches and ministries, it makes sense that you're strategically building a foundation of the local guys coming to your event. That makes a lot of sense to me. I am impressed that it's only 65%. That's 35% of guys out of the area is a huge percentage of guys. I mean, really, it's astronomical. I'm really impressed with that. You made a comment earlier. You said if the event is about PK, it will be an epic failure. And that really is the vast visionary difference from the 90s. Wouldn't you agree?
1: I would, and I, I don't want to criticize those who worked so, you know, diligently, who served in this position primarily, and, and in leadership of Promise Keepers. God burst in them a, a something that has never been done for in the hum, in human history. Yes, and they were able to execute on that. But one of the things that that the church experienced at the time was. The promise keepers, because they knew what they were doing and they'd had practice at it, would come into town and they were like the 800 pound gorilla that sucked all the air out of everything. And then all of a sudden they'd leave and the, the church was left to follow up with all these Jesus freak guys who came back to church, you know, wanting to do something and the pastors were overwhelmed. I mean, they really, they just, it scared them to death and, you know, guys raising hands and in church and what the heck's that? And so, um. You know, this time, it really needs to be, and and I should say, the Promise Keepers tried to solve that problem, but they were moving so quickly, and everything was happening so fast that it really was a tsunami which hit, and it scared a lot of people. This time, though, the needs are so much greater. 70% of suicides are men. Oh, yeah. Men feel lonely. They feel overburdened. The, the culture tells us that we're toxic, that we're not needed, that we're just sperm donors. Who needs a father? They got, they got you know other oh, people know. to take care of that now. And so men need a rallying point. And that rallying point is this catalytic event. But the, the execution after the event, meaning guys getting together in small groups, the fire team concept of the U.S. Marines, four men who do everything together. Uh, what we we've finalized or in the last process of finalizing an app, which will be given out to men free and they can communicate with each other. They can work with each other. They can serve with each other. They can pray with each other. And, and it, it's a phenomenal use of technology. And so we'll have content from the navigators, from CBMC, from crew, from anti-pornography groups, from, you know, you, 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 it'll just be amazing. That men, when they get on that app, that you know they can start doing life together, and the content they'll have a lot of choices to work through stuff with.
0: So, how do we? So, our organization, how does men in the arena get involved as one of these ministry partners with you guys? Can we set up well, a display or an exhibit? How does that work?
1: Sure, um, for ministries that are desiring of linking together with Promise Keepers, being up on the website, we have a director of partnerships. His name is Greg Tull. He's an extremely hardworking guy and he's been with promise keepers for 14 years. He, he, he is part of that promise keepers DNA. So we just encourage ministries to click through on our website. They'll, they'll get contacted. First thing is to send men to the event. Yeah. Number two is to think about churches in your local community that would receive the simulcast.
0: Oh. You know, there are men
1: that, there are men that can't make it to the event, but, we don't want men watching this event alone and we, and we won't, it's not going to be live streamed. It'll be simulcast. So there has to be one location and two, they have to commit to at least 25 men because when men are together without women, we act differently. We're more vulnerable. We, 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 we say and do things that are guy things. And so we want men to gather together in groups of 25 or more. We've got, some simulcast groups that, you know, they're going to bring 2,000 men together and, and they will be supplied with the materials and how to get the volunteers. And it will be a very similar event in a smaller venue, just like what's happening with 80,000 guys.
0: So when you say, how, how long after the PK event, will this be simulcast?
1: It will be simulcast as it's happening. You can delay it. So if you're on the East coast, you know, it's going to be a little later, but if you're on the, you know, You can delay it, say you're on the West Coast and you want to delay it two hours or whatever, but it happens that weekend.
0: Oh, okay. That makes more sense. Well, now, how do I I find that on your website? Is there a spot to look for?
1: Yep, promisekeepers.org. Click through to the event and you'll see simulcast. Just put your name in there and say, I'm interested. And you'll start getting emails about how to get in, you know, sign up. Uh, And we're encouraging churches, you know, to in towns to say, look, why don't we work together on this one? You know, why why don't the Baptists work with the Episcopals and the Presbyterians, and let's find a location, and let's do this together, guys.
0: Yeah, I I, I really appreciate that. Well, you know, I really believe, and our tagline is when a man gets it, everyone wins. And so when when I go back and I look at Promise Keepers 95, where I attended an L.A. Coliseum, once I got it, I figured it out. I think guys are – I believe enough in men that they can figure it out. I remember McCartney uh, – they showed a video of McCartney when he was uh, sharing kind of how this launched. And he said – I remember I remember him looking in the camera and saying, listen, we said we could just turn it around. That was. I remember the hand motions. We thought this event could turn it around. And I really believe they did turn it around. And uh, I do believe a man, when he gets it, everyone wins. But I do really appreciate this new and fresh vision as well that says, listen – we want to provide this venue for you, but we also want to link up and lock arms and lock shields with other organizations to disciple these men strategically. Where where was your was your vision behind that in response to the older way of doing promise keepers or did you see a newer need?
1: Well, it's a different season yeah you know promise keepers has been analogized as being like a great oak tree that developed in the 1990s and all these seeds of little ministries began to birth well now it's 20 years later yeah and and you've got thousands of men's ministries that are mature and they've gone through tough times and they know how to they know how to relate to men we would be absolutely stupid not to link arms and raid shields together. They've, they, you know, they have come to us and said, there's another other ministry that has the brand, has the experience, and, and, and we need you guys to do this event, but we want to partner with you. So, you know, Iron Sharpens Iron, Man in the Mirror, Wingman, you guys, I mean, those, th- these are the foot soldier ministries. And our job is to be a force multiplier on the battlefield. For you guys,
0: no, I appreciate. You know, I'm, I've been invited to be on the NCMM board, and I looked at their organization. There are 130 men's ministry organizations involved with NCMM, and our podcast alone has had 80 others who aren't involved in NCMM. So there are guys all over the country doing this thing, but I really am, appreciate Promise Keepers saying, "Hey." We want to kind of be a hub and launch you outwardly. And I really appreciate that, which leads me to the next question. What is a PK ambassador and how does a man become one?
1: Great question. All men have that internal need to be part of something greater than themselves. And a PK ambassador is a guy who simply says, man, I got a little extra time, four or five hours a week that I can dedicate to Helping my pastor or helping another church, working in my community to to link arms and ratios shields with other men who have that same vision. And so, what a PK ambassador does is simply represent Promise Keepers within a jurisdictional basis. You know, in a state or a county or a zip code or just a local church. And so, anybody who says, "Gosh, I'd love to be involved," they just go to our website, PromiseKeepers.org. Click on Get Involved or get, Become an Ambassador, and then they'll get information. They need to go through a background check. They do some training, and then they're commissioned, and then they work with a group of guys throughout the United States who, who assist ministry to men in the local church. It's, it's Again, it's designed to stand next to the pastor and support that pastor, not to require something of them. And part of that job duty is to help them understand how to have a simulcast or to organize, say, a bunch of guys in a you know caravan coming down to Dallas. You know, speaking of, I heard this morning from our director of operations, she said, oh, it's so exciting. There's this whole group of guys who are driving like 1,000, 1,500 miles over that week with these fancy cars. And every night they're camping out and they're worshiping. And each city they go through, that caravan is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And they're going to end up in Arlington on Friday, July 31st, and you know park out there and do the tailgate thing. I mean, guys are doing that. I've got a buddy who said, I'm, I'm, I'm leasing a plane. I'm bringing 135 guys. I'm going to lease that plane, and we're going to be there. Wow.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow, that's pretty impressive. Well, <clears throat> so if I'm an ambassador, let me let me understand this correctly. If I'm an ambassador, I'm going to do two major things. One, I'm going to bring a group of men to the Dallas event, or two, I'm going to lead a and uh, initiate a simulcast out of my church or region. Is that roughly the truth?
1: Yeah that 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 would be the A and B option under how to rally men together. But the overall job is to help your men's ministry, or if there isn't one in that local church, to to gather some guys together who will just start doing guy things together and and encourage men to get into those small groups, Uh, help the pastor, help, you know, give men that sense of purpose and destiny. And Promise Keepers will get those, you know, local ministries such as ISI or, you know, other local ministries to partner with that local church. Our job is to be a connector and that, that ambassador is the connector with different resources so that the church doesn't feel alone.
0: Yeah. I really appreciate that. So I'm in the Pacific Northwest. I'm about three hours from you. You know, I've got friends of mine, you know, Brian Doyle's up from the Northeast. He's now in Florida, but you know, you get these guys in the corner of the country, I tell me if I'm wrong here. I really coach me up here, man. I'm envisioning my church, you know, setting up a regional simulcast because that's a long way for guys to go. Regional simulcast where guys haul their RVs and tents and all that, and camp on the campus of the church because this is a two-day event. So we go inside party, have a great time involved in the PK event. And then after the event, we have this massive fire camp out with a bunch of guys hanging out. I mean, it's almost like a men's weekend. Is that is that work for you? Is that what you're thinking?
1: Oh, awesome, exactly. <clears throat> we are encouraging guys to be creative like that. And if you got a church that's got a, a, a lot next to you that you can park their RVs and set up tents and get some porta potties. I mean, when men catch a vision. Absolutely. The, the, a, a vision to make a difference, because that's what happens. You capture the heart of a man it changes his wife, it changes his life, it changes his impact, and it, it'll inspire him, and it'll inspire generations. You oh. know, all of us want to leave an inheritance to those who come after us, but but God wants us to leave a legacy. You you give a an inheritance is what you leave for somebody. A legacy is what you leave in somebody. And this is the type of event that leaves something in a man. So if you can create that kind of cool, you know, camp out thing, man, we're all about that.
0: Now, I appreciate, well, I'm heading out on Friday to Minnesota, Baxter, Braxton, I can't, Minnesota to keynote an Iron Sharpens Iron event. I'm taking my middle son with me. He's selling all my resources. He's 24 years old. He and my other two sons are the product of Promise Keepers. I mean, really, because when a man gets it, everyone wins. And when that man gets it, it is a generational thing. And I believe our family's different because of Promise Keeper. So I'm really, really excited. Okay. You got me curious, Vance. I don't know if you can let the cat out of the bag. I didn't look too hard on the website, but who are the, can you announce the keynotes or, or are they already announced?
1: Well, we've got several that have been announced and we're adding a couple more. Um, you have people uh, from Africa, like uh, Dr. Bodhi Vakam. A lot of people don't know about him, mm-hmm. but he's a and very interesting story. Um, you have um, Chad Hennings, who uh, 45 combat missions in uh, the Middle East, three Super Bowl rings, Dallas Cowboys, nine years, the head of Wingman. You have uh, Tommy Nelson, uh, big, big church in Texas. You have Todd Wagner, who is you know, the lead pastor of Watermark Church. You have Tony Evans. Oh, yeah. Everybody remembers Tony Evans. Um, Tony just lost his wife, Lois. and oh, it was oh difficult. No. Very difficult. And we, we, and Jonathan Evans may join Tony. We're, we're hoping, you know, kind of do a father son thing. I've spoke with Jonathan. Great, oh, he's a great guy. Yeah. I love Jonathan.
0: He's an NFL guy great, too.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, on the musical side, we have Michael W. Smith, Shane and Shane. Looks like Danny Gokey, Phil Wickham, and even potentially KB. Um, so uh it 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 but it but it's a it's an unusual event in that these speakers you know they'll be talking about the seven promises but they'll weave in a lot of things about current culture we are going to be addressing men about how how objectifying women is is not what a man does it's it's counterfeit intimacy it's mm-hmm. it's virtual adultery and so you know, men need to be freed from pornography. And how do we do that? You know, we are not going to call men out as much as we're calling men up. Yep. And when men are called up, they respond.
0: Wow. Well, you know, Tony Evans spoke at the Promise Keepers I was at, and he's spoken numerous times. And he, in my opinion, is, is one of the greatest speakers I've ever listened to. I just, mm-hmm. and he, I don't know if you know this, but he was the first church planter that a good friend of ours, who we've partnered with Gene Getz, had. Gene started the Fellowship Bible Movement, and Tony Evans was his first church planter. And so, really uh, kind of fun. Uh, and that's they're out of Dallas as well, Fort Worth area. So really exciting, and excited to be a part of this. So that well, this is great, man. Is there anything else you want to add before we uh, sign off?
1: Yeah, just briefly. You know, men are hurting. There's yeah. such pain within men, and and when we recognize that that in in modern society, quote unquote, that it really is that intimate relationship with Jesus Christ that leads us to liberty and leads us to joy. But we have to remember, you know, times are going to get tough. They, God promised that. And He's counting on men to stand in the gap. He's calling us to, to move from a chocolate soldier status that we melt when the heat gets tough to be that battle hardened warrior. He wants men who will stand up for what's right and stop being pushed around by a culture that Godless and anti-God. And I believe he's going to do it.
0: Man, thank you so much for your time. I know you're a busy, busy man this season of life. And guys, hey, before we go to the next step, guys, let's get our boots on the ground. What are you going to do in response to our interview today with Vance? And here's, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to the Promise Keepers website. It is promisekeepers.org, and I want you to do something for me. I want you to pray about becoming an ambassador and either, one, bringing a herd of stallions to Dallas for this event, or two, setting up a simulcast, which is what we're going to do at our church, and have a ton of guys show up, camp out, and have a massive party and just have a great time together, and that is July 31st. 2020 super excited about this event guys pray about being an ambassador because when a man gets it
3: everyone wins hey
0: guys until next time feel the wet sand on the arena floor hear the deafening roar of the crowd taste the sweetness of victory smell the stench of battle get in the game get dirty go to promise keepers
2: 2020 grind it out and be a man Men in the Arena is a nonprofit, crowd-funded organization that exists to inspire men to become their best version. We're able to freely offer this podcast, weekly equipping blasts, discussion forums, plus our small group resources to the three M's, active military, missionaries, and men in underdeveloped nations. This could only happen because of a large group of generous donors like you. You can find out more about how to support our ministry at meninthearena.org.